Friends, welcome to Sci-Fi Science Comedy Debate! That is the correct response. Thank you so much for coming out to Sci-Fi Tropicana. It's great to have you all here. Um, now for the newly initiated... Who's been to a Sci-Fi before? Make some noise. Ah, oh, good. We love a return guest here at Sci-Fi. If you haven't been, that's okay. Thanks for coming along. Um, tonight, essentially what we're all about is that this is a place where we bring together some of the sharpest minds from science and comedy and we make them debate critical issues in a very silly way. I am Melanta and I'm your host and adjudicator for this evening and tonight we debate whether or not we are living in a simulation, or at least we pretend to debate that topic. It's all very meta this evening. Uh, we will poke at the very fabric of reality and ask, why is it sticky? <laughs> simulation theory suggests uh, that if humanity doesn't wipe itself out, the future of humanity will have massive computers. And then, like that, that seems legit, we're all on board to that point. But then they suggest that if there are massive computers, uh, our, our descendants will no doubt run ancestor simulations for fun or for education or to figure out what the deal was with the cinnamon challenge. Uh, and if they do this, every copy of every simulation will far exceed the numbers of us biological humans that exist. So statistically speaking, we are far more likely to be a simulation than a real human. What a way to ruin everyone's day. <laughs> Uh, being in a simulation might explain some of the odder parts of reality, why certain atomic particles behave differently if we're watching them or not, or why Kyle Sanderland still has a job, or why I have no memory of last Thursday. Uh, but there's much more that it doesn't explain. It doesn't explain consciousness uh, or the ever-expanding complexity of what we discover in this universe or what stamp duty is. Does the idea that this is a simulation cheapen our existence? Does it free us from the laws of biology or society that we assumed that were innate? Can I punch a Nazi in the face? <laughs> Thank you. Well, consensus there. Good. Or is it a zero-sum argument with no consequence to our daily existence, a disprovable thought experiment made up by a tech pro keen on getting in on the invitation to Musk's prepper circle? And where is the complaints box? Here to ruin your evening on the affirmative, we have Kai Mitchell. Get on stage. Adam Batten. And Fidia Rajan. And on the negative, it is the organic Sarah Webb. <laughs> Sam Peterson. <laughs> Scout Boxer. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, before we kick off, we've got a few questions to see how our debaters are going. Kai, there's a microphone in front of you. Do you want to grab that um, so I can ask you a question and you can answer the question? Certainly. We've got this sorted. Excellent. Um, now, Kai, I've, I've learned that you're all about lasers. That is true. <laughs> what's, what's the latest in the world of lasers? Oh, well, if you're following the Nobel Prizes in physics this year... We oh, we all are. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you would. Yeah. Um, attosecond laser pulses were all the rage. So I don't know if you know how short a time an attosecond is. I believe it's the shortest measure of time that exists. Is it's that... not the shortest, but it's, it's 
It's very short. Let's put it this way. There are the same number of attoseconds in a second as there are seconds since the start of the universe. Okay. Very, very short amount of time. What do we do with that information? We study very fast processes like chemistry. Things are happening very quickly in chemical reactions, so we've got to be on top of it. We've got to be seeing what's going on. That seems like a reasonable explanation. Thank thank you, Kai. Uh, I'm going to pass over. No further questions? (laughs) Uh, To our our next debater. Um, Sam, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me, everyone. Thank you so much. (laughs) I am not as smart as this person over here, (laughs) but I'm going to give it a red hot go. I can talk about atoms. They're great. I'm all for Red Hot Goes. Uh, what's, we're near the end of 2023. What's been the best thing that's happened for you this year? It's about to happen. Yep. Tonight. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. We're here. And it's going to be the best goddamn night of our life. It's, it's freezing out. I feel good. I'm not sweaty. I feel fantastic. If your delusion makes you happy, that's all that we can Thank ask for. Thank you so that's much. Great. Uh, video, welcome back to Sci-Fi. Oh, no. Oh, taxi. Hello. Thank God we're living in a Oh, <laughs> Don't Hi. worry, it's just keeping the rest of the Prosecco that's already soaked into that table Hello. company. It's, it's fine. Um, uh, now, Vidya, you suggested the topic for tonight, yeah. that, that we are living in a simulation. Mm. If you prove that we are, what do we do next? I mean, I feel like that's giving away what I'm going to talk about. Okay. All right. That's, that's fine. And now I'm suspecting that you're kind of like anti-simulation and that you've taken a side already. Not anti, just I'm scared. I'm oh, scared. Good. And if, if we are in a simulation, it wasn't a democratic selection. You know what I mean? Like, oh, democracy. <laughs> you're not for de- What is it? No. You're not for de- Okay. All right. The anti-democratic affirmative, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sarah, how are you going? Hello. Hello, I'm good. How are you? Good move. Welcome, welcome back to Sci-Fi. Thank you for having uh, me. Now, you, you do a lot of amazing science communication, and uh, this, this week you were explaining that there are a hundred million black holes in our universe? In the galaxy. In the galaxy. Just in our galaxy. That's, That's nice. bad. Um, <laughs> if we suspect that we've found a black hole... What do we do next? Well, so the fun part is we might not find one until it's too close to do anything about it, which the psychopath in me thinks that that's a pretty (laughs) great way to end the world. Um, But we'd probably just sit tight, wait and see what would happen, unfortunately. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That feels very similar to Vidya's answer. Okay. (laughs) Tonight is not about certainty or democracy. All right. Adam, throwing over to you. Uh, Welcome to Sci-Fi. Thank you. Um, Tell us. What you're working on? I work on a bunch of things. I work on galaxies. I work on the simulations, actually. Yeah. Um, and I work on trying to understand how fast the universe is expanding while measuring satellites. If you were going to create a, a universe from scratch, what's one thing that you would make sure was the case? Can I choose all the lovely people in the crowd? Or... <laughs> but... <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like you don't want to be in my simulation. <laughs> no, uh, I would... The, the main thing you've got to add to a universe is dark matter. So if you don't have dark matter in the universe, galaxies can't form, and then you can't form planets, and you can't form people. So if we want to form life in the universe, we have to have dark matter. Wow. Do we have enough dark matter in this universe? Are we happy? Yeah, we have enough dark matter to form galaxies. That's formed us. So we okay. have enough in here. If we didn't have a dark matter in the universe, we wouldn't be here. Okay. 
Yeah. So we should be content with the amount of dark yes. matter in our we, current In fact, we are perfectly happy with the quantity of dark matter in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the most calming and soothing thing that's happened this evening. <laughs> Scout, welcome back to Sci-Fi. Hello. Hello. How do you feel... <laughs> Would you like to know what I worked on today? I would love to know what you worked on today. I worked on a tweet. Uh-huh. And that tweet was, gone ape mode again, brackets, picked up an object with my toes. So, yeah, we've all got things going on. <laughs> I feel like that answers all my questions uh, that I had. So we'll just move on to the rules for the tonight's debate. Uh, we know that everyone has more fun with rules, and these are the rules. Uh, tonight's debate is governed by the laws of time and space and also the state of Victoria. <laughs> Until such time as this is all proven to be a simulation, um, a reminder to both teams not to defame or ad hominem your opponents as defamation law still exists in this reality. Uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Each debater has eight minutes. If people go longer, I will start reading out the Red Pill Manifesto from the, from the MRA's Manosphere that I accidentally found while researching this debate. And I will keep going until I can be absolutely sure everyone here is having an unpleasant evening. <laughs> Come the end of the debate, you, our trusty audience, will be uh, called upon to decide who's uh, the winning team this evening by shouting, because science has proven that the loudest person in any room is always the most correct. And with that, we are going to welcome our first debater tonight. Kai is doing a PhD in experimental atomic physics, which is a fancy way of saying he plays with lasers. Uh, unfortunately, this is less glamorous than it sounds and mostly involves him trying to fix broken equipment in a dark room and cursing whoever put an imperial bolt in with all the metric ones. Kai also hosts Radio Silence, a science radio show podcast where he earned the nickname Laser Lad for trying to shoehorn lasers into every topic of discussion. Please make some noise for Kai Mitchell. In the beginning, <laughs> the universe was created. This has made many people very angry, angry and has widely been regarded as a bad move. Now, Douglas Adams was one to recognise the absurdity in the universe, and a lot of that absurdity can be explained by the fact that we are living in a simulation. Today, we will demonstrate that the probability of living in a simulation is extraordinarily close to certainty. We will be discussing the technical details of how this is possible, and also the various evidence that we find in the world around us. The red pill is a tough one to swallow, but by the end of today, you will accept that we are living in a simulation. So to start off with, what is a simulation? Well, there are various models that could potentially be used to simulate entire universes. All of them have something in common. The existence of a programmer a conscious being outside of the universe who decides the parameters and presses go on the simulation. There also must be hardware for that simulation to be running on. So, let's talk about some of that hardware. Well, the least imaginative type of hardware is a classical computer. This is just like a video game. A computer can model interactions between entities and their environment, and with sufficient computing power, you could feasibly simulate an entire universe. 
Now I know what you're thinking. But Kai, the universe is so complex, we can never simulate it. Well, let's think about it for a second. First, who says the universe is actually as complex as we think it is? Potentially, everything beyond our solar system is just a pre-rendered video that's getting fed to us from the outside. You know, oh, there's 10 to the 80 atoms in the universe, you'd need that many to simulate, blah, blah, blah. Nah, mate, it's just one solar system. So let's, let's now talk about computing power. So we all know about the exponential growth of computing power. 100 years ago, no computers. Now everyone has one in their pocket. What's going to happen in the next 100 years? Right? So computing power is constantly growing at a rapidly increasing rate, and eventually we may have the option of simulating an entire universe. But why not limit ourselves to classical computation? We know there are more efficient ways of simulating complex systems, for example, quantum physics, not using your plain old classical computer, but using quantum computers. Now, this is being rapidly developed as we speak. Companies like Google and IBM already have quantum computers that are capable of simulating systems that are almost impossible for classical computers to deal with. Again, we're removing a lot of that complexity from the universe by using a more efficient method of computation. Forget about ones and zeros. We're using the Schrodinger's cat of binary, where it's both one and zero at the same time. And using that power of quantum physics, we can do more than we ever could before. So why stop there, though? Who says that our three-dimensional universe is being simulated by another three-dimensional universe? Why should we assume that the programmer inhabits the same dimensionality that we do? Have you ever played Super Mario? Does 2D Mario know about the 3D world that his simulation exists in? No. And imagine we are the side-scrolling platformers to our higher-dimensional programmers. Again, this makes it much, much easier to get your head around the idea that simulation might not be as hard as you've been led to believe. As soon as you recognise that there's more dimensions than forwards, backwards, left, right, up, down, there's so much more space in the outer universe and the hardware to actually simulate things. So, now that we've accepted that it is possible to simulate universes, or that we've looked at the different the ways that it can be done, let's talk about whether it's possible. And guess what? It is possible. People are already doing it. People in this very room. People sitting right there. <laughs> I present to you the abstract of Dr. Adam Batten's PhD thesis. <laughs> Allow me to read a line. We analyse simulations of the universe. Case closed. See for yourself, sheeple. <laughs> Open your eyes. How can we expect to trust anything from people like this? They've probably been sent here by the programmer to instill doubt and yet create even more simulations. Simulations within simulations. And you know what they're going to say? Oh, yeah, our simulations kind of suck, you know? PhD, whatever, bit, like our simulations, only the widest scales of the universe, whatever. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But you know, if you just keep giving them time and money, they're going to create higher and higher fidelity simulations of universes until this universe is riddled with simulated universes as well. Now we've gotten into the realm of universeception. <laughs> and this contributes to the problem even more. Think about it. Advanced universes should have no problems simulating much simpler ones. 
It's just like if you've ever used your laptop to emulate old Game Boy games, like you've played Pokemon in your laptop in school or something. I don't know, I, I definitely didn't do that. <laughs> it's a computer within a computer. This is, this is not even within the realm of sci-fi. This is real stuff. So now that I've opened your eyes to the possibility that we are living in a simulation, let's talk about probability, right? It turns out that it is more likely than not that we are living in a simulated universe. I present to you Bostrom's trilemma. It has three statements. One of them must be true. The first one is that in no universe or no multiverse, whatever, there exists a, a civilization that can become advanced enough to develop simulations. Seems pretty unlikely. An infinite multiverse, pretty big place, lots of things happen. Second point that civilizations develop the possibility of simulating, but they choose not to? I mean, why would they? And third, and most importantly, a single civilization has to develop the ability to make heaps of civilizations, sorry, simulations, and all of a sudden, we've got universeception, and then there's more simulated universes than there are real ones. And all of the human level, that's us, civilizations in the universe, are actually simulated because they're far outweighed by like, other simulations. There's no normal humans left. So let's go through this in a little bit more detail. On the first point, if we assume that the parent universe or multiverse is infinitely large, there must exist some civilization that is capable of simulating. They're going to be prolific. They're going to create so many universes. So it's easily clear that that is, is not true. Second point. Well, why wouldn't they want to run a simulated universe? I mean, if they're anything like us, they're just going to be doing reality TV shows with worm-like humans, and they're going to be like, oh, look, these ones are doing a funny debate about universes. Ah. <laughs> and it's not like they're going to have ethical considerations. Like, we're nothing to them. They're going to be like, yeah, let's kill these ones. It's going to be fun, climate change. Ah. <laughs> so that leaves only one option, that we must exist in a simulation there's a prolific programmer out there that's making so many models of, the of this universe. So open your eyes. See the truth. We are living in a simulation. This debate is already making me feel very unsafe. Barely keeping up with the dimensions that we have. I, I was not, not ready for several, several more dimensions. That seems, seems unfair. Uh, before we go to our next speaker, uh, I will share some science news uh, with you all from this week. Um, so I don't know if you saw this. The survey results came out for this survey that was done in the States uh, where people were asked how confident they were that they could safely land a commercial passenger aeroplane... <laughs> in an emergency situation, relying only on the support of air traffic control. Almost 50% of men who responded said they were extremely confident or somewhat confident. Experts say uh, if you've never even learned the basics of flying, let alone the principles of aerodynamics, your chances of successfully landing a passenger aircraft, even with air traffic control's help, is close to zero. 
I am sad to report that the researchers didn't undertake a follow-up study to see how many of these men actually could land <laughs> a commercial plane. Ethics committees are a bunch of cowards. I think it would be easy to reach the conclusion uh, that maybe this kind of self-confidence was just an American phenomena. Apologies to any Americans in the room. Uh, in a country that celebrates the proverb that anyone can be president. Sadly, the end of the original adage has been lost in the mists of time that says, in this country, anyone can be president, but some people probably shouldn't. But I guess you know, a sim similar study happened in Britain where they found that one in eight men believed they could score a point against Serena Williams. <laughs> uh, for reference, if you don't know Serena Williams, uh, she has a serving speed of 206 kilometres an hour, has won 23 Grand Slam titles and is considered one of the best athletes in the world. Um, so I looked this, <laughs> spent quite a bit of time on this this week. Uh, so one in eight men is 12% of the male population in the UK. I went to the British census to find out how many British men play tennis. 0.5% of British men play tennis, meaning the majority of the people who believe they can score a point against Serena Williams. Don't play tennis. <laughs> you might feel that these results really spell out doom for us as a species, but I choose to be more optimistic uh, and see that this is an opportunity. I believe that if we could, we could just reverse climate change as soon as we figure out how to tap into the most pure form of renewable energy that exists which is the unearned confidence of a mediocre white man. There is nothing mediocre about our next speaker. Uh, Dr. Sarah Webb is an astrophysicist, a professional at having existential crises. She explores the universe with the largest telescopes in the world and has spent a lot of time thinking about what is the universe. Uh, she's an expert in AI and getting friendly with computers to do the hard lifting for her in her work and chasing burping black holes and flaring stars. She's seen a lot of what the universe has to throw at us and just how vast it is. Please make some noise for Dr. Sarah Webb. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Atlanta. And I'm so glad you did that little intermission where you highlighted mediocre white men because I would like to kindly uh, express that the first affirmative speaker has done just that. <laughs> Got up here and gone on a rant at you about how it is physically possible and they know it to be true. However, they are not a simulator, unlike our team. They don't look out into the universe, unlike our team, but they are so confident to be true. So by the end of my talk, I hope that I can prove to you that I'm not a mediocre white woman, but in fact an expert who can prove that the universe is not a simulation. So I won't bother rebutting much while we go along. I think our arguments stand for themselves. On our team, as we discussed all of the ways that we could take these very kind people down tonight, we came back to one overarching idea. Make it make sense. If we lived in a simulation, wouldn't it make sense somehow? Wouldn't there be evidence for us to see, things for us to gleam onto? We've all seen the matrix. There's clues along the way. I don't see any clues here. So with that, we are boiling it down to three main pillars of our argument. The first is that it's just not likely. The second is that it's not physically possible, regardless of what the mediocre white man says. <laughs> and thirdly... 
it's not morally justifiable. I'm going to kick us off by taking us on all the ways that it's not likely. I'm going to take you on an adventure of chaos and ask you, why would anyone simulate that? We are then going to dive into Dr. Adam Batten. As you so kindly read out his PhD thesis, he is a world-renowned expert in using simulations. If there was anyone in this room that could convince me we lived in a simulation, it'd be that man. But guess what? He's on our side of the table and he doesn't believe it to be true. In fact, he's done the math. He's done quite a bit of math this afternoon preparing for this debate and calculated that it is impossible, impossible for us to simulate this particular universe. And I think by the time we're done, you'll see just why. Finally, our final pillar is that it's not morally justifiable. That is going to come to our third and possibly strongest pillar of tonight, Scout Baxel, who is going to tell you all about moral meltdowns. They will, in no uncertain terms, explain to you that the rest of our very existence hinges on your decision here tonight. And if you decide that we live in a simulation, you have just killed us all. <laughs> Wear that on your shoulders. Let's jump right in and get a little philosophical. Really, the only argument I need today to convince you that we don't live in a simulation is that of Occam's razor. Give me a little cheer if you've heard of this before. Occam's razor. Woo! You're in good company. Occam was a very smart gentleman back in the 14th century who said, if you have two competing ideas that explain the same phenomenon, you should prefer the simpler one. We see this day and day out. The simplest solution is most often always correct. And we can apply that here tonight. We have two possibilities. One possibility is that we are in an insanely intricate, really complicated, computer, uh, computationally expensive simulation being run by Lord knows what, Lord knows where. Or two, we live in a universe. I don't know about you, and my name is not Occam, but I would say the simplest answer is that we just live in a universe. And I think that's all I need to sum up for tonight's argument. The two competing ideas, the simplest is that we are not in a simulation, we are just in a universe. Again, make it make sense. If it was so complicated, it would make a little bit uh, less sense to us. This simplicity of the answer actually turns uh, and expands if we look at our observational evidence. So... The first affirmative speaker likes to play with lasers in a lab. I'm an astronomer who likes to play with big telescope and looks out into the existence of, of it all, of the universe. We have taken millions and millions of images of our universe in every which way direction, and guess what? Every direction we look, it's pretty much the same. Nothing is broken. We don't see any glitches. We can measure things coming from beyond our solar system. In fact, the first speaker mentioned that we haven't even left our solar system. That's incorrect. We've got two spacecraft right now who are traveling in interstellar medium, the Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. They're sending us back signals. We know we're not in a simulation just based on that. I don't really think I need to expand on this further. It's the simplest solution that we live in a universe, full stop. But this is not where I end. I want you and me to really bond over the complexity and absolute sheer chaos that is the universe that we live in. So I'm going to ask you, I want you to think of a moment in your life that has been so bizarre, so chaotic, so surreal, no one would want to simulate that. Can you think of a moment? Possibly. I'm going to tell you about one of mine. I've got many, but one that comes to head uh, is a memory I have from back in 2018. 
It was an extraordinarily hot summer day in the middle of Queensland and I was visiting a camel farm because I am enthusiastic, passionate about camels. I think they are fantastic animals. So I was having the best day of my life at this camel farm. It was about to get better because somebody came over to me and said, do you want to pat a baby camel? And I said, yes. Yes, I do want to pat the baby camel. So they ushered me over to the baby camel. There I was. I was patting it on its head. I was giving it food. It was the greatest day of my life. Still ranks pretty highly, in my opinion, uh, regardless of what's about to happen. As I was standing there, all of a sudden, the lights kind of got a bit dim. The sun was blocked out. I felt moisture on either side of my face, and there was really sharp pain either side of my ears. My head was in a camel's mouth. (laughs) Fully in there. I don't know if you guys keep up with the news, but people have been beheaded by camels before. Didn't think about that while this was happening. I just stood there. You know how people say you'll realise if you're a fight, a flight, or a freeze? I'm a freeze. I just stood there and watched my stepmother drop her handbag and come rummaging, my father trying to take a photograph, (laughs) and me with dribble down my face. Now, this memory is plantly in uh, my mind for the rest of my life, but I ask you, why would anyone simulate that? It doesn't make sense. That is the glory of the universe, that we live in a place that is so bloody chaotic that things like that happen. Now, when we think about our existence, it is, it, it's complex, it's chaotic, and there's so many things that happen, just like my camel bite, that seemingly are so bizarre, unpredictable, they're almost unsimulatable. Who would think of that? And to me, the absolute pinnacle of this is when I open my news app on my phone each day and I see the headline, Florida Man. <laughs> now, there is absolutely nothing that represents free will like the Florida men do. So, to really round out our argument that this cannot be a simulation, because good Lord, if it is, I would like to share some of my favourite headlines with you, if that's okay. June 27, 2012. Florida man chews off another man's face. That's it. That's the story. Why? We will never know. There is no answer there. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just chaotic. January 1st, New Year's Day, 2015, Florida man trapped in an unlocked closet for two days. (laughs) Two days. That is, I did the math, 170,000 seconds. 170,000 seconds to figure out that he could open the door. Now... I present to you this problem that not even a sim has faced in a computer. It can't be simulated. It just doesn't make sense. September 5th, 2019. Florida man protects his car by parking it in his kitchen. (laughs) If that is not free will, I really, really don't know what is. Christmas Eve, 2015. Florida man arrested for crashing car into the moor. He said he was trying to time travel. Again, free will. If someone was simulating us, why would they risk damage, time, money, expense to let the Florida man exist? It's computationally expensive and it doesn't make sense. Finally, I'll leave you with my favourite headline. February 9th, 2016. Florida man charged with assault with a deadly weapon 
after throwing a live alligator through a Wendy's drive-thru window. (laughs) Make it make sense. Thank you. Sarah Webb! I'm so glad someone has finally done some quantitative research into Florida man. Uh, before we move on, I'm just going to share some more science news. It's been a big week in science. Uh, you may have seen this story as well. A 57-year-old Wisconsin woman was shot in the buttocks after she took a loaded firearm into an MRI machine during a scan. She did undergo a verbal uh, clearance before she went into the MRI machine where she declared she did not have any firearms on her person. Uh, But when the machine's powerful magnets were engaged, the metal trigger tripped the gun discharged into her right buttock. Uh, Perhaps even more wild, this is not the first MRI shooting this year. The hope with all medical procedures is that patients emerge uh, from the other end of the process with ideally less illness and injury uh, than when they started. But this ultimately is a group assignment uh, and everyone's got to play a part. Uh, The incident for me raises lots of questions, including what was the threat that the woman felt that she could defend herself against inside the MRI machine? I mean, uh, they tend to look at soft tissues and tumours. Was she going to hold a cancer at gunpoint? The Second Amendment... But yes. (laughs) All right. I have my answer. Thank you. Um, Does this woman ever not have a concealed firearm on her? Does she take it into into the shower? Is she a weaponised version of a never-nude... Like, I entirely understand the importance of security objects holding on to something that makes you feel safe when things are scary. Dumbo, the elephant, had a feather. I have this clipboard. But ideally, a safety object shouldn't be one that can decimate a school. It's just a rule. The incident is a parable that hopefully the broader community can learn from, uh, that hopefully those fond of getting around with metallic butt plugs uh, can be warned ahead of time. Leaving that there and introducing our next debater, Sammy Peterson is a comedy man, a documentarian, a producer, and sadly a podcaster from Melbourne. Please make some noise for Sammy. Thank you so much. Hello, my name's Sammy P, everybody, and I always love to be brought on to decimation. Uh, It always feels like a bit of fun. Uh, Good morning, lol. We're already having a good time, just trying to lift the mood a little bit. Uh, I am second speaker, affirmative, and I am goddamn proud to be here. I'll tell you that much. I am so proud. Don't laugh too much, Scout. Uh, I am... I am proud to be here. Tomorrow night I have a gig in Frankston, and I am so happy to be in Brunswick right now. Uh... I do fit the vibe of being in Brunswick. Someone the other day said, I have the vibe of someone who works at JB Hi-Fi, and that's something that I've got to live with. Um, Very loud laugh up the back. Uh, It must be true. Uh, We today are hearing from some wonderful, wonderful people, affirmative people. First speaker here, a goddamn intellect. I'll stop saying goddamn in a minute, but an intellect and not a mediocre white man, a wonderful, wonderful man who spoke so eloquently and beautifully. (laughs) 
And of course, after this, we will hear from a wonderful, one of the best writers in Australia, a wonderful, smart comedian. And right now, you're going to hear from a dumb boy, a podcaster. I'm just a bit of a dumb boy. And I'm going to tell you my own personal experience. And then you're going to hear from the, um, the lying team. And they're going to tell you all about their theories. But I'm here to tell you that we live in a simulation. Good night. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, that was uh, very good. That'll be my round of applause in Frankston tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> we do live in a simulation. I will say that when we were going to start this debate, I did get announced in the negative team and I freaked out. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the first time that I have got the debate wrong. I did, not bragging, but I did GIS debating. Uh, in year 10, came up to Melbourne, the Big Apple, uh, as no one's ever called it, and I was so damn excited, and our teacher thought that we were affirmative as well, and we went out and both argued affirmative. Uh, It was the most positive debate of all time. It wasn't really a debate as much of an agreement. Uh, all, All of our rebuttals were, well, I agree with second speaker. I thought that was wonderful what they said, and I think we do live in a simulation because the programmer up there is having a bit of fun. They are absolutely loving it. Of course, I will say that, do we really believe that we, that everything started with the Big Bang? Don't you think it was just a computer booting up? Isn't that more fun to think about? A gamer just starting and feeling like we're all in a big old game of Sims and everyone's woo-hooing all over the place. Of course, I feel like that's, that's us. Like the expansion packs that we get are amazing. We've got dogs, we've got camels. I didn't, I didn't mean to point at you and say camels. I'm so sorry. I meant your gorgeous experience of the camel almost killing you. I'm so sorry to hear that. We do have, you know, great philosophers as well, you know, who have told us similar things. We have Kanye West and, and Taylor Swift, and I'm not saying which side of that debate I'm on, but um, very topical for me. And we have, of course, the wonderful Elon Musk. Uh, I'm sure we can all agree that Elon is wonderful. Praise be. (laughs) Don't you think if we weren't living in a simulation, we'd be better at this if we had control over our own lives? Why would we go to work every day, like Groundhog Day? I mean, I don't personally go to work every day, but imagine if I did. I wouldn't do that. I'd be out there foraging. Do you like to forage? You love foraging. My goodness, of course you do. Looking for goddamn berries. I did promise that's the last time I say goddamn, but I love a goddamn berry. That's just me. We wouldn't be going to work. We wouldn't have an economy. We would just be living our best lives without someone upstairs controlling everything. Global warming, that would be, it would be dead by now if someone wasn't up there controlling the temperature. Although we do live in Melbourne, am I right? Is this thing on? (laughs) Four seasons in one day. (laughs) I just made that up. (laughs) We have glitches every day. The novel coronavirus, floods. There are glitches in the system. But of course, it's a teething process from our big programmer friend. It's all too scary to think that we are just by ourselves. I think that's why so many people believe in religion, but they saw the light and it's a big programmer living up there. Uh, My personal story is that 
I died technically uh, th- five years ago. I was on stage dying, um, not like tonight on my night tomorrow night in Frankston. It was a very different kind of dying. I actually blacked out on stage, was rushed to hospital, and I was pronounced dead for for a moment. It was very quick, but in that time, I saw the light. And I met my programmer, Graham. He was going through a divorce at the time. It was his second divorce, and he just got his ADHD diagnosis. And he had a new lease on life and was telling me, Sammy P, I feel something again. There's not a dry eye in the house right now. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing, and he told me, that he started a long time ago with the other programming bros. Massive respect, mad respect. He's one of the real ones. And he told me, bro, you're one of the fake ones. I put you down there on earth and I'm controlling everything. So you are correct to think that you live in a simulation. Poor Graham taught me so much. We made love. the weirdest thing. I do not have that written down. Uh, That was was the weirdest thing I've ever said. Um, Not tomorrow night in Frankston. I will will probably say the same thing tomorrow night. Um, I feel like it's just, it just goes without saying that we live in a simulation. And to prove my point, Graham, Daddy, if we are in a simulation, do not change the lights right now. Wow. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Graham. (laughs) To leave you today, I will say something that Graham once said to me. You are in a simulation. And you're rocking this goddamn debate, Sammy P. I'm a vessel. I'm a vessel. He's telling me this right now. I don't know how you keep contacting me, but please stop. Um... I've been Sammy P for affirmative. Vote affirmative. Thank you so much. Sammy J. Peterson. I am as surprised as Sammy is that he is on the affirmative. I have basically spent this entire debate scribbling notes, trying to figure out what I've done wrong uh, tonight and every other moment in my life. Um, we've all had a good time, hopefully, so far. Is, is that... that- Verifiable. It's good to get feedback on these things. Uh, I am going to go straight into announcing uh, the second speaker for the negative. Dr. Adam Baden is an astronomer at Swinburne University of Technology with a PhD in one hand and a bad dad joke for every star in the Milky Way in the other. He boldly strives to understand why the universe is the way it is. Uh, During his PhD, Adam used some of the largest simulations of the universe ever created, aiming to determine how galaxies evolve and developing a new method to measure the frequency of galactic burps. Today, he focuses on measuring the rate of the universe's expansion and monitoring satellite orbits to prevent any unexpected cosmic knock-knock events that could potentially result in catastrophic damage before you can say who's there. Adam Baden. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, how was your food? I hope it was all good. Did it feel simulated? 
I, I don't think it did. I felt, I'm sure it tasted really delicious. Um, I would like to say thanks to Kai for reading out my PhD thesis abstract. Um, it was, I'm very honored. I would do the same if you had one. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, but yeah, so um, I think of the first two speakers that we've experienced so far, I've, there's only one person that provided any scientific arguments that we have to rebuttal. Um, this seems like the second speaker may have just had a hallucination <laughs> and proceed to describe what his effects with coding was like. Um, and so, um, Kaya, uh, I think you've spent too much time looking down at your lasers because you have forgotten how astronomy works. Because we have actually can measure things outside of our solar system. We have measured black holes colliding and then measured the effect of them stretching Earth. And so this is not just a image projected on the sky. These are real effects that we can actually measure on Earth from things far, far away. And we can determine that they are real and they are objects outside our solar system. Right? So I think we've got, we got a lot to cover today. Right? So you previously heard from our camel-obsessed speaker, Sarah. Um, and we, probably, we told you that it, we're probably not in a simulation because it doesn't make sense. If we are, why would people simulate us? Right? <laughs> we're not that cool. <laughs> so... Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to tell you why, not only is it less likely, but we can't, because physics doesn't allow us to, right? So the affirmative team, they, uh, they told you it's like, the universe is too complicated to simulate, and you're right, it is true. The universe is compli too complicated to, simula to simulate. And they also told you that maybe the universe is more simple than we expect, and it's not, because we can prove that there are objects outside of our solar system. It's not just a projection on the sky, right? So we can't be simulated. It's going to be a running theme. Keep a track of it, all right? So... A few months ago, the largest simulation of the entire universe was created. Has anyone here about this news, the largest simulation in the universe? Oh, there we go. We've got one person in the back. You're my kind of person. <laughs> right? So, it was... <laughs> um, so, this simulation was created um, by a team called the Virgo Consortium. It was led by a person named Yop Shea, who I actually worked on with my PhD. So, I feel like I'm the only person on stage that's qualified to say well, anything about simulations at all. Uh, and so I feel like I know a little bit what I'm talking about, right? So this simulation was called flamingos, you know, because they're cool animals. Um, and flamingos happen to have the coolest collective noun. Does anyone know what a flamingo's collective noun is? Flamboyance, correct. <laughs> Flamboyance are flamingos. That is way better than any murder of crows any day, right? So the goal of this simulation, flamingos, was to simulate the, as big of a universe as possible, right? And so we want to learn from the beginning of the universe until now how galaxies formed, how structures formed, and everything. And this simulation, the biggest one ever formed, was run on about a trillion particles. A trillion is a lot, right? So it's literally millions and millions of stars stuck together, trillions of particles, we simulate the entire universe. But that doesn't come even close to the number of particles we're going to need on the universe. Don't worry, I'm going to get to this point. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Um, and so to demonstrate this, I'm going to need some help from Sarah again. Congratulations to Sarah. Right? So, uh, just to demonstrate, we have a one here. So, we're going to demonstrate how big a trillion is for you. Um, if we keep going, uh, a trillion is a big number, really big. Right? Keep going, keep going. Go, there we go. Look at, look at this bigger number trillion particles. We ran a simulation with a trillion particles, and it simulated the universe all right. Yeah? So, what we're going to what we have to do is going to demonstrate how big, small this number is compared to the actual numbers of particles you would actually require to simulate the entire universe. Because as we demonstrated, the universe is not just a projection on the sky. There is actually things outside our solar system. We sent Voyager outside our solar system. We can know there's particles outside because of black holes. You can't just simulate a small section of it. You have to simulate the whole thing, right? 
So a trillion, small number, right? So Sarah, can you please keep unraveling uh, if you have space? Yeah, yeah, you're not going to. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, right. All right. You, you're right there? You're good? Okay, cool. So look at, look at this number, right? So, yeah, thank you, Scout. So this is, we got a trillion, right? We got to simulate that if we have a tr trillion particles in our simulation, we haven't done counting the trees on Earth yet. So we're not, we're not even closely done. This, we want to simulate a single brain. Single human brain It's about 10 to the 21 particles. Maybe a little bit less if you've got a brain on this table. But, <laughs> um, but about, about 10 to 21 particles, right? And so it is huge, right? So if you were to think about in terms of like how big these numbers are, a million, a million seconds, if you put out how big is a million seconds in your brain, it's about 12 days, right? It's quite a big number. A trillion seconds, which is this pink number, anyone want to guess? 31,000 years. So the difference between a million and a trillion, which is six zeros, is enormous. Adding that many zeros at the end, how many particles you need to simulate one human brain. We're not even close. If you keep going, Sarah, if you want to do a, let's, let's just say that we want to simulate maybe every human brain ever lived, right? You're going you're to need a few more particles. Um, you're going to need 10, 10 to the 31 particles, right? Which, which is a lot. And Sarah's going. Yeah, can someone go and help her? <laughs> She's struggling here. <laughs> yeah, so 10 to the 31 particles, right? So this is the number, of the number of particles that would be required to simulate every person in this room and the howler, right? So if you want to simulate everyone in just the howler, if we're just all real and everyone else is fake, this is how many particles you would need to run your simulation. It's absurd. The best simulation we've ever run on the best of computers in the world, we can't, we're not going to get close. Um, and then I think Sarah's now going to just tell you how many particles we would need in the universe. Like the entire universe, we would need uh, 10 to the 80, which is what Kaya said, but he forgot something really, really important in his calculation. He forgot about the photons that he studies. <laughs> if you add photons, you get four orders of magnitude more particles in the universe. You need to simulate light. It is nothing, but you study it. <laughs> so if you add, look how big this number is. This is absurd. So even if you cut off the four numbers at the end, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. This number is so huge that it really doesn't matter. Like, you're not going to be able to simulate this. And what they said, oh, computers are going to get so much better in the future. It's a lie. Because classical computers aren't going to get that much better. Because when you, when you, how does anyone know how a computer works? Does anyone know how a computer works? A few people. What, has anyone heard of a resistor? Oh, not a resistor, a transistor. Gosh. Anyone? Is that, raise your hand if you've heard the word transistor. Keep your hand raised if you know how a transistor even works in a computer. <laughs> a bunch of people. No one knows. Yeah. So transistors, you can think of them as little switches. They, flow the they control the flow of electrons and currents. They let you control the ones and zeros that are going on in the computer. The smaller the transistor, the more transistors you can pack on the computer, and so you can make more calculations, you can make bigger simulations. So smaller transistors, you can make bigger computers, you make bigger simulations. However, transistors, you can't make them small enough. Once you get smaller to then like, you know, a few nanometers, we're at two nanometers at the moment, once you get much smaller than that, quantum mechanics takes over, which Kaya would probably know because he studies quantum mechanics. Uh, you would study, work out that uh, quantum tunneling effects. Electrons would just go straight through the switches and transistors stop working once they get too small. So you can't make transistors small enough that computers can calculate with this number. And you can't make computers big enough 
right? So you can't make bigger computers. You can't just get to the quantum limit for transistors and then make computers bigger because once you make computers bigger, you actually have to get them to talk to each other. This is one of the things that people forget. Computers that are bigger have to talk to each other. And if you make a computer like as big as the Earth, let's say, they actually become so slow from overhead that they don't just work, right? So you can't get better with classical computers because you make them too small, the transistor's too small, they don't work. Make them too big, they're too slow, right? And now you're probably thinking, Oh, what about the quantum computers that Kaya mentioned earlier? They also don't work because anyone that knows anything about quantum computers knows that they can't do decimals. Like, everyone's familiar with a decimal, like 2.3. Uh, <laughs> 2.3, that's a decimal. Quantum computers cannot work with decimals. So if you want to run a simulation of the universe that uses anything like floating point numbers or decimals, you can't run on a uh, quantum computer because they are not applicable. They are applicable in a very specific circumstances where you use integers all the time. And so all of Kai's arguments about quantum computing is bullshit. <laughs> uh, you can't use classical computers. Look, we've made a mummy. <laughs> can't use classical computers because they're going to be too slow or too, uh, not big enough. Quantum computers can't work. We aren't going to be able to simulate the universe. We can't be simulated. Right? So, wow. <laughs> right? So... <laughs> I'm just, I was not expecting that. All right, so we can't be simulated. I want to take that up. We can't simulate the universe, so why do we think that we live in other people's simulations? Right? If we can't make a simulation that's even remotely small enough that we can live in it and create life, why would we expect to be living in someone else's simulation? Right? So I think the argument that we are in a someone else's simulation is because we can create our own fails at the very first step of the slippery slope of climbing up the ladder of the slippery dip. Right? So... We're not going to be able to simulate. We can't be simulated. Uh, you are not simulated because you are real. Adam Batum and the world's longest prop. This prop is contentious discussion, clearly. Uh, this, this prop is what happens when you tell uh, an academic that they're not allowed to use PowerPoint. It's not the first time it's happened at this debate, I'm going to be honest. Uh, look, I'm going to bring up our final speaker for the affirmative. Are you ready for closing arguments that we live in a simulation? Yeah, you are. Vidya Rajan is a writer, comedian, performance maker, working mainly in theatre and television. She's a former writer-in-residence at the Malt House and has recently been involved with Screen Australia, ABC Comedy, Theatre Works, Arts House, and yet another man who quotes The Simpsons in lieu of a personality. Make some noise for Vidya Rajan! Hello. Wow. Um, the last time I did sci-fi debate... Um, it was, topic was, we should stop worrying about climate change. Uh, and I was in the affirmative that we should. Uh, and we did win. Um, and I'm actually really proud of that because I feel like um, it not only really affected the people in the room, it had an effect worldwide because shortly after that, the pandemic started. And we do not worry about climate change anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, really powerful this stage. So, um, well, as you all know, we are hitting that, like... I don't know if you can feel it, this tense, pointy end of the night, right? Like, soon, all of you will have to vote and make a decision. Like, which side is right? That's a decision you have to make. That decision is all in your hands. Um, unrelatedly, I just wanted to say, 
You're a very attractive group of people. Um, I don't know if you get that a lot, but, you know, just en masse, like as crowds go, um, believe me, and I stand in front of quite a few crowds, you are particularly intoxicating. <laughs> and I know you feel that. Look, please, I'm not trying anything on. This isn't a creepy thing. Like, I'm not objectifying you. I, I would never think of you as an object. Like, how could I think of you as an object when clearly you are all just ethereal mixes of code, data, metadata, triple threats, wow, <laughs> who just happen, who just happen to be wound in a sleigh-as-fuck flesh sack <laughs> with a variety of gorgeous customizable skins. Like my mother always used to say, the great developer knew what they were doing the day they compiled, assembled, linked, and loaded. The acronym CALL is often used in computer science. The great developer knew what they were doing the day they compiled, assembled, linked, and loaded you into the world. Clap for yourselves. Anyway, as Alanta said, you're beautiful, you can keep talking, it's fine. Anyway, as Alanta said, I am the last affirmative speaker for tonight, um, and that makes me so sad because that means next you'll be hearing and ending the night with the negative side. And I don't know if you know this about debate, but just because you're on the negative side doesn't mean you have to be such a downer. <laughs> like, but in this case, maybe they just can't help it. Like, maybe they can't help all their pessimism and negativity because, and this is what I put to you tonight, when you actually bore down into it, every argument that someone who is against simulation makes comes from a really psychologically dark place. <laughs> At its base, being against simulations is a very human supremacist point of view. It's about ego. It comes from fear. I mean, Alanta has said she's scared about 10,000 times. <laughs> Anti-simulationists don't care about any of you living your best life. They don't want to empower you to live your best life. And by life, I of course mean running and executing your commands like the hot little dot .exes you still are. <laughs> now, let me show you what I'm trying to say by going through some of um, the people who are against simulation, some of their most common arguments, which undoubtedly we heard some of those today, but to be honest, I wasn't really listening um, <laughs> because I couldn't take my eyes off all of you. <laughs> Embarrassing. All right, to start with, anti-simulationists, they love to bring up Occam's razor. Have you heard of Occam's razor? Ugh, they love to bring up this guy and his shaving equipment. <laughs> And, like, how his whole thing and, like, what he said was that the simplest explanation is always the best and that don't think of unnecessary causes to explain a problem. Well, firstly, as my wonderful colleague uh, Kai explained with their science words earlier, there are many things in this reality that just factually are not simple to explain, like the quantum stuff. <laughs> and... If I may add my own observation to the list of the something that isn't simple to explain, what about those, like, freaky fishes deep in the ocean who have that, like, like that book light off their head? <laughs> but you never catch them reading a book. 
which, like, I know why I'm never reading a book. The capitalism, the ADHD. But they don't have that, so what's going on there? I don't think there's a simple explanation for that. And secondly, when you hear this Occam's argument that everything, like the simplest explanation is the best, and, you know, don't think of unnecessary things... I don't know about you, but to me that sounds like somebody who wants you to be intellectually uncurious. It's a real, uh, if you don't know, if you don't, vo- if you don't know, vote no vibe from him. <laughs> Even remembering it has like scarred me. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, if you actually look at who this Ockham guy was, um, his name's William Ockham, you find out that he was a medieval monk. Now, you're not gasping, but you will in a second, because... You might not know that medieval monks, they were actually kind of like the indie scene kids, hipsters of their day. Um, But instead of like being obsessed with obscure Japanese films as a way to show their cultural capital, um, they were more about gatekeeping the Bible. Like they were like, "Uh, I'm the first one to read it, nobody else can. They didn't want the masses to read. Um, And as some of our older audiences may remember, when the Industrial Revolution happened... And the printing press came, uh, like suddenly everybody could access the Bible and read stuff. And the monks, they threw a full-on tanty. Like, they did not like that. Um, They were just like, okay, but like, can we just remember that I was into it before it was cool? (laughs) Basically, they wanted to keep people simple. They wanted to keep people down. Reminds me of a certain someone who goes on about their PhD. (laughs) Just a bit of arrogance there. And I'm not about that. And neither should you be, you know? Don't fall for it. I believe you don't need Occam or his razor. You are capable of handling the complexity of what a simulation is. And let your body hair grow. It's beautiful. Or if you don't want to, I also respect that. That's fine. Get your laser hair removal treatments. Feminism. Yeah, I love it. Okay, cool. But while we're in this um, space, I just want to very quickly say of like talking about history, uh, I want to raise that the religion that I was brought up in, um, Hinduism, it has this concept of Maya, uh, which is a concept that means that the whole world is an illusion, only constituted by your senses, which are also limited, and that's probably wrong. That is, you are living in a simulation. So when people say that we don't live in a simulation, I don't know. I just want to put it out there that that might be a little... Um, culturally yuck, and like, maybe like xenophobic. I mean, none of us want to go on record of being culturally yuck or xenophobic, right? We don't want to be on that anti-simulation side. That would be bad. Thank God this event isn't being recorded for a podcast for all eternity, and there won't be pictures of the audience online that we can match up to the recording and judge them. Anyway, where was I? Yes. Um, The team saying that we're not in a simulation is actually just projecting their own ego issues. Another point to prove this is an argument that anti-simulationists often make, which is that nothing we've invented so far, um, that we've tried to invent things that have been simulations, like The Sims or like some failed lab experiment with a transistor, I don't know, Um, or uh, my personal favourite, the Titanic immersive theatre dining experience in Docklands. (laughs) R.I.P. If you missed out, you missed out. It's closed. You really missed out. 
None of those things that we've tried to create as simulations have the detail and self-generative sophistication of our own universe and reality. They love this argument, but when you think about this argument, it's like stemming from insecurity. <laughs> so what if we haven't been able to do it? I mean, I can't do what the gymnast Simone Biles does on the vault or on any other gymnastic apparatus. <laughs> But I still watch endless videos of her routines to just feel awe of something so amazing. And I have no problems admitting that she's better than me at that. I mean, she probably can't do comedy. I mean, maybe she's watching videos of me online. No one can say. It's impossible to say. It's probably happening. What I'm trying to say is just because the intelligence who made our simulation was too smart for us, uh, or, you know, just had a different skill set um, or set of circumstances, doesn't mean we dismiss that they could have made it. Like, that's just an insecure argument. We've got to separate our inadequacy from the coolness and complexity of our simulation. Separate the art from the artist, by which I mean separate the huge nerd from the RPG that they build. <laughs> Look, I'm not trying to be mean by using that term, but anyone who has put this much time into their miniatures... <laughs> gorgeous work, so detailed, so beautiful. Come on. Huge nerd. Also, more evidence that the intelligence that built us is probably a programmer, bro, comes from the people in our reality who... It really seems like this intelligence is clearly biased towards as characters or surrogates of themselves. You can see this in the very high modifiers and attack bonuses, um, despite having very low skills and terrible attributes that are given to people like Elon Musk. <laughs> and if you didn't get that RPG humour, uh, I'm happy for you. My life has taken some dark turns. Um, but only a simulation developed by a narcissistic nerd would be allowing Elon Musk to roll the natural 20s that he does and somehow end up the richest man in the world. If you think about it, actually, isn't our universe pretty much just a Tesla? <laughs> Starts with a bang, there's a lot of hype. And it's pretty spectacular when you look at it. But it's just never going to beat the multiple al allegations of ultimately not caring about its passengers, as evidenced by several electrical safety failures, by which I mean everything in the cosmos, tends towards heat death. <laughs> Entropy means you can never fully recharge the battery. The sun will go out in about four billion years and take us all with it if we're still around. Because being smart doesn't necessarily mean you're kind or even observant. Yeah, it's a cruel thing to do, but you know, I have dated many software engineers. <laughs> I don't know why they kept swiping, but I don't want to analyze that. <laughs> okay, I don't want to leave us in this place of problems or even negativity about my experiences. <sighs> I'm not the negative Nancys over there. I feel like we all get it now. All arguments against a simulation are rooted in a baby-like ego trauma response. <sighs> I know that all of you are above that. I respect and thirst for you too much to think that you would succumb to such impulses. And so I put it to you finally, that actually, if we all live with some simulation pride, that is, if we accept that we're probably living in a simulation, it will actually lead us all to a much better life, an affirmative life, a life-affirming life that affirms us, <laughs> that they clearly don't think you deserve. So. To leave you, I'm going to say, what does a simulation accepting life actually consist of? What is this utopia? First of all, less pressures. Unlike religions, we won't need to follow or deify anyone. 
the intelligence that made us, as I've discussed, is in all likelihood an incel dweeb who wants, who wants to talk about their Mensa score at parties and honestly probably got bored and wandered off and bought a social media galaxy to play with and crater spectacularly. RIP Twitter. Similarly, we don't need to be begging for like the uniform justice from an external source that sometimes people are looking for, like the morality in the universe. We can just accept that if our developer does intervene in our, in our universe, they can sometimes be an asshole. And that's all there is to it. Don't look for any patterns in it. After all, who amongst us hasn't randomly done unspeakable things to their sims? <laughs> Two words, human simtipede? <laughs> look it up. No, look it up. <laughs> but the benefits of accepting the simulation don't just end there. If we accept that we probably live in a simulation, we get an automatic new hobby that is actually quite hard to monetize, which I feel like a lot of people in this room would benefit from. <laughs> so what I'm talking about is glitch spotting. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like, you look, where did the code break? You know, where was the sign of a bug? Where are the mistakes? There don't have to be many because, you know, our developer is smart, so I don't know why you're looking for so many, but it's just when you find one, it's quite exciting. So the way you play the game is when you find a glitch or you sense something's like a glitch that doesn't really make sense in this world, like um, Four Seasons Total Landscaping Press Conference. <laughs> you just absorb it and go, glitch, glitch. It's fun, it's fun for the whole family. You love it. Great new hobby. Um, and finally, the benefit of the simulation life. Now, the other side, I think, will make the argument, I don't know, I'll still be looking at you when they come on. Um, they're probably going to say that not believing in anything like a religion or a simulation uh, makes you attuned to the fragility of life. If you don't believe in an afterlife, the fact we're all going to die becomes really potent, right? And it makes you feel like you need to live now, this is all you have. But to that I would say, on the whole dying bit, that also happens in a simulation. And in fact, not only are we programmed with the limitation of death, there's also a chance in a simulation that our cosmic programmer or cosmic scientist or cosmic chud um, <laughs> may accidentally spill some coffee on their cosmic laptop or forget to pay the cosmic storage fees of a cosmic server farm where we are. And just like that, poof, we're gone. So really, if you think about it, in a simulation, there's a double threat of dying. And thus, a double joie de vivre <laughs> that we can all live with. You know, why wouldn't you want to believe this? All the positive without any of the negatives of those other belief systems. In fact, you know, just thinking of this like double joie de vivre is inspiring me. Like I need to start doing what I want with my life. I want to fulfill my dreams. So, um, um, I actually was telling them earlier, I've got this little dream uh, because I never got to join a band um, in high school. I've always wanted to be on stage and like have people, can you all take out your phones? Um, if you could just take out your phones and like hold it up. You know how they do like that torch light in, 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 um, in like concerts? Yes, okay, can you all like wave your things? Uh, do you wanna join me up here? Um, Yes, okay, just keep waving, like waving. Oh, this is so special for me. Um, and, you know, let's all just, uh, I'll say a line and then you chant it back, right? Okay, so, okay, let's chant. <clears throat> Double the threat of dying. Double the threat of dying. Double the joie de vivre. Double the joie de vivre. 
Simulation, yum, yum, yum. Yum, 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 yum. Glitch, glitch. Thank you, thank you so much. Oh my God, that was so perfectly executed. You beautiful Sims, good night. Death has never sounded so good. Oh my gosh. Uh, ready for our final debater of this evening? Our final debater is, was the best newcomer at the 2021 Melbourne International Comedy Festival when they're not performing. Scout can be found unionising their workplace, practising witchcraft, or hitting nerds with fake foam swords at LARP. Make some noise for Scout Boxall! <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Uh, good evening to our audience, honoured guests and the Elon Musk Silicon Valley bootlickers of the opposing team. <laughs> I'm not going to stand before you and pretend to know about science or computers or simulations or how to drive. But I don't need to bring the science chops to this roast because our team has two PhDs in astrophysics and supercomputing. Adam literally keeps track of satellites and makes sure we don't lose them. So he's basically space mum. And we have taken you through the arguments of Occam's razor, the trouble with infinite regression, the sheer magnitude of computing power required to run even a fraction of a single fucking brain in a simulation of this universe. And I would argue that disagreeing with two hot science doctors, experts in their field no less, would make you as bad as an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> On the other side, the opposing team has a mere master's degree, a podcast about Reddit, and a degree in law. Law, the thing we all love. You know, the same thing that said that gay people couldn't exist in Tasmania until 1997. Fit for thought. <laughs> Now, obviously, because I failed chemistry, I had to do some digging into the other team to try some below-the-belt sledges. And what I came up with was piffling, but, you know, I gave it a red-hot go. <laughs> Kai has carefully evaded the internet's gaze, which is fair enough, because the internet is a cruel place. And Kai looks like the kind of kid who would have been gently bullied in high school. <laughs> I actually made a bingo during Kyle's set. Um, or laser lad, as I should say. Um, what have we... I crossed off Elon Musk shirt, red pill reference, inception wordplay, blazer, climate change conspiracy and Pokemon. So nearly a full bingo there. <laughs> I do think Kai himself is a pre-rendered facsimile of what happens when a Reddit thread comes to life. I could only furnish a single doe-eyed headshot and an article about why bugs are different colours forever. <laughs> Vidya, on the other hand, is chronically online. Respect. Insights from Vidya's Twitter include, one, really obsessed with eating biscuits at the moment. <laughs> Feels weird. Like this is not who I thought I was. Just thinking about Arnott's shortbread at all hours of the day. Bit scared, TBH. And two, what the fuck is Cyber Monday? 
no, don't tell me. I've already started gnawing my arm off. And as an indication of how much Sammy has his finger on the pulse, his last recorded tweet is, <laughs> if you can't handle me at my Delta, you don't deserve me at my Omicron. Yeah. Man of taste. Now, on the affirmative side, we started with Sarah, and I've, I've got to say, we've had a lot of special interests on display up here tonight. Camels is one I've not encountered yet in my time. The neurodivergence in this room is bristling, my word. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, Sarah ate that. <laughs> and if you're gay, you know what that means. And if, if, you, if you don't get more gay friends... She counted bluster with facts and she also talked about being trapped in a closet for 172,000 seconds. And I wish that had been how long I'd been in the closet, to be honest, but what are you going to do? The perfect simplicity of Occam's razor. And then we went to Sammy Goddamn Peterson. <laughs> and he talked about a near-death experience that for a moment I thought was real and felt concerned that I didn't know this had actually happened to you. Um, and meeting his his gamer starting, like, operator, Graham. He also went on a tangent about foraging and medieval life, which was quite soothing to me. <laughs> and then told us that we're being protected by benevolent overlords, that he had found out that he was one of the fake ones and they were the real ones. And all I can say to that is, codeine is one hell of a drug. <laughs> and then we had Vidya, a climate change denier who tried to win you over with petty flattery. And I know, because you're not a good-looking crowd. <laughs> and I'm a friend, and I'm honest, and I can tell you that. Go clean-shaven. <laughs> Actually, take his facial hair, you know what I mean? Like, we can, we can tweak this. She talked about customizable skins, which made me think of Habit Hotel. Um, shout out. Um, and said that... As the negative team, we don't want to empower you, that we want to tell you that you've got no control of what's going on, that, that you could be living in this simulation with the double joie de vivre. Good line. <laughs> but then, well, I'll go back to Vidya's tweets. <laughs> because... <laughs> Not protected from me, mate. Uh... Um... Vidya's frenzied private wormhole-riddled tweets suggest a profound confusion, alienation and a deep-seated fear of what the world around us might truly be. And I think this is worth bringing up not only because I feel intellectually inadequate to actually discuss the science, but because it speaks to why humans keep raising the simulation hypothesis. We live in a world so bizarre, so absurd, so unspeakably cruel, and it is comfortable to think that there is some kind of plan, something larger than us, watching carefully over our animated, coded cadavers as we think and feel and twitch our way through life. And why not indulge any guilty pleasure or impulse? If you look at Elon Musk, a staunch proponent of simulation theory, you can understand why he'd burn his father's blood emerald money on hair plugs, a website that fucking hates him, and a truck that is as angular and malfunctioning as Lara Croft's tits. It is because he truly thinks that nothing is real, so nothing matters. And it is soothing to 
fo- to follow the boomer conspiracy theory logic that all debt is make-believe. And we can withdraw consent on Instagram by posting a screenshot that says, I do not give Instagram or any entities associated with Facebook permission to use my pictures, information, messages or posts, both past and future. With this statement, I give notice to Instagram. It is strictly forbidden to disclose, copy, distribute or take any other action against me based on this profile. And it is in... No. And it is inspiring in the face of climate change and the resurgent Liberal Party, to think that our species might survive 100 years in the future. Long enough to develop super machines with computational power that defy every one of our universe's laws of physics. But if we do live in a simulation, if we're brains in vats, or more likely if you're all auxiliary characters in my main character arc, then what happens when we collectively decide as a group tonight, yeah, this is a simulation. Well, then our fate is in the hands of whatever benevolent or careless overlord is pushing the buttons. Are we here for their education, for their edification or their entertainment? The reason we use British people in Love Island is because they all talk weird, they all look the same and they are completely self-absorbed but also hyper-conscious of being observed. They act out of purpose... We've not got time. Driven mad. By synthetic stimulants and the promise of Instagram Love Honey sponsorship deals. If a British person in Love Island were to turn on the camera and say, I know this isn't real. Or if I were to develop any kind of empathy with these people. I would switch to another show. Truly self-aware subjects don't make for compelling viewing. The reason we use rats in experiments is because they are cute. They have weird accents. They all look the same. And they do not understand they're being recorded. If I was a rat. And if I knew that there was a camera on me, and if there was one electrified line of cocaine at one end and a supportive family network and a trough of pellets at the other, (laughs) I would not eat the cocaine or the pellets. I would turn to the camera, have a rat meltdown and ask, are you mad at me? (laughs) That's not a useful rat. A useful rat keeps their head down and sips from the cocaine even though it sets their teeth on edge and pays off their hex debt and pretends to be delighted with a voucher for rat Aesop for rat Christmas. A useful rat survives and does not resist, but a rat that knows it's being observed, that says that it knows it's being observed, that is a defective rat and that is game over. Has anyone here played The Sims? Okay, I convinced my parents to let me buy The Sims 2 Nightlife Expansion Pack because I said it was a good way to do household budgeting. But that's not why you play God in a simulator. You play The Sims 2 because you want to kill The Sims. I put my Sims in a single-lane pool that I wrapped around an entire house made of windows and then I would take the ladder out and they would die. And that's where I first learned I was an empath, so, you know. But if our simulator overlords know that we knew that we were in a simulation and there is no more point to the experiment, show's over, results are in, we are all terminated. And so even if you found the opposition's arguments more compelling, even if you think that they made sense, I beg you, for the sake of our continual survival, you must find that we do not live in a simulation because I don't want this world to be switched off. I want to go home and hold my partner tight and tell them I won tonight's debate and... Everyone thought I was skinny and really funny, but, like, not in an intimidating way. (laughs) And no one mentioned that my glasses look like Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I have so much that I want to do in this world, even if I am a brain in a vat or a rat in a cage. Even if you and Elon Musk and Florida Man and that camel are all just projections or figments of my imagination. And so I fucking beg you, please find that we do not live in a simulation. Thank you.
Boxall. Well, it's been an evening. Uh, we can all agree. Uh, look, I'm going to give you a bit of a summary of what's happened this evening, and then I'm going to turn to all of you, and you're going to decide the fate of all of us here in this evening, uh, whether this is a simulation or not. Uh, but first, I'm just going to uh, throw to the debaters and ask if anyone has any gigs coming up uh, that they might... If you, if you want to subject yourself to more of whatever has happened this evening, uh, Sammy, where can we find you? Uh, I'm doing a show uh, next year called Why the Long Face. It's all about my facial palsy, lol. Uh, so that'll be fun. And it's all about uh, the time I did die on stage, which Scout would know, but she's a bad friend. Um, so, um, so, yeah, I've got a Why the Long Face uh, next year at, uh, in May, I think, in May, which is very exciting. Thank Amazing. So Kai, do you want to plug anything? Well, if you're not sick of listening to my voice, you can listen to the podcast version of my radio show, Radio Silence. That's S-C-I-L-E-N-S. And... Yeah, I guess that's it. I'll talk about lasers more than we had the time to tonight. <laughs> because somebody on the negative team forgot to realise that their beloved gravitational hey, wave hey, detectors hey, are hey, using hey, lasers. Hey, the, the debate is, is over. Fidja. <laughs> um, if anyone has a child, there is a show coming out on ABC called... Planet Lulin, uh, which is like sci-fi, which feels very thematic, that I wrote episodes for. Um, yeah, it's a bit like Doctor Who, but Australian. Can it work? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and other than that, I'm just going to Perth for the summer, a city so dull that um, it makes me think that the simulation overlord does know we exist, so you don't have to vote for them. <laughs> when that sentence started with, if anyone has a child, I did not know where it was going. <laughs> Sarah. Hello. If anyone would like to learn more maybe useless facts about astronomy and space and machine learning, you can follow me at Sarah Web Science online everywhere. And if you want to know all the ways the universe can absolutely kill us, including being turned off in a simulation, I have a book coming out next year about all the cosmic catastrophes that could happen. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Adam. <laughs> Uh, you could follow me on Blue Sky if you have Blue Sky, I guess. <laughs> uh, or you could just actually come and hang out with me in person. I play board games over there at Bubble Hawker on Tuesday nights. Come hang out with me. I want to get to know you. I've run, I've run over 30 sci-fights. No one's ever been like, please just hang out with me. <laughs> um, yeah. I have a show at the Comedy Festival next year. It's called God's Favourite. <laughs> it's on at the Malt House. It's not been written yet, but it'll be great. <laughs> God, okay. Uh, all right, just a quick summary of what's happened this evening, at least from what I perceive has happened uh, at that table behind me. Uh, Kai kicked off the debate with God is a programmer and we are but his hardware. Uh, Kai has been the most attacked person <laughs> in the room this evening, and I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, there are tears behind those dark glasses. <laughs> Kai started talking about quantum computing and ones and zeros being ones and zeros at the same time and I started to get upset and uh, then he told us that there were more dimensions than the ones we knew about but didn't tell us what they were. <laughs> That's fine, I'm comfortable with that. That's <laughs> entirely okay. Um, uh, Kai has read Adam's PhD, uh, which makes what... <laughs> Which does make one person now, so that's uh, good. Uh, 
Kai got into Nick Bostrom's uh, theory of simulation, which is kind of the groundwork for this entire horrible debate. Uh, and Bostrom's multiverse theory for me is very much tech bros just choosing to never admit when they have got something wrong. Oh, it's not possible? Well, it is in a multiverse. It is in the future, just not in this simulation. So I'd, that's just a thought I had to share with you. It's not actually related to what Kai said. Um, Sarah just said it's probably just not likely, and I was quite happy to end the debate there. <laughs> Sarah has a capacity to make me feel safe, uh, even when she's telling me that there are 100 million black holes and that we are all going to die soon. So it's nice to just have Sarah around. Uh, Sarah introduced us to Occam's razor, which is now my new safety object. And said that it was computationally expensive. And that's fine. That's, that's actually the most compelling argument I think we've seen this evening. Um, uh, and, you know, she has really gone to the edges of the universe to do her research and into the mouth of an ungulate. So I think we can uh, <laughs> trust Sarah. Uh, Sammy uh, <laughs> suggested coronavirus is a glitch in the system, which is a theory I have read about on redpill.org. <laughs> Um, Sammy then brought his own death into it, uh, claimed to have met the creator, which is as verifiable as most other aspects of the debate tonight. Uh, Adam creates simulations, so if anyone uh, is the programmer in the room, it's him, and he says he isn't, so I feel better about that. Um, he then threw around his PhD, which I understand is the main purpose of a PhD. <laughs> Adam's simulation, I understand, is bigger than your simulation. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. And he's very secure about that. <laughs> then there was some sledging about photons that I did not understand. <laughs> Vidya gave you simulated praise. She then somehow linked anti-simulationists to imperialism, and I don't know how, but I immediately started feeling guilty. <laughs> Anglerfish don't read books. That's all I have written down. <laughs> Vidya shared with us her techno-utopianism um, uh, and explained that the universe is a Tesla and we are but collateral. Uh, she then hyped death, became a rock star, which you were all complicit in. And I'm not sure if she taught us more about simulation or hypnosis. Scow went so hard on Kai, I began to worry if Kai was okay. Uh, Scout ma matched Vidya's simulated praise with actual insults of you all. And I just can't tell which you actually preferred. Other things happened, but that brings us up to now. It is your, your chance now to decide who is the winning debaters tonight. Are we in a simulation? Please make some noise for the affirmative. If you believe this is reality, this is as good as it gets, make some noise for the negative. Madam, I'm half deaf in one ear. Who won tonight's debate? The negative! Yeah. Big round of applause for our debaters here tonight. Massive thank you to Howler for having us and letting us do this nonsense.
Uh, if you'd like to come and, and see another SciFight, please go to scifight.com.au and sign up to the newsletter. And you can send me uh, emails when you don't want it anymore, like the one I got this week that just said, the vibe is off. Unsubscribe. <laughs> please be my friend. Thank you so much for coming tonight. You've been wonderful. Good night, everyone.